And Father, I pray tonight as we look into your word, I pray that you would give us understanding. I pray that you would help us to not just be hearers, but be doers of your word, that we would recognize the importance of knowing what we believe, knowing what your word says. And Father, I just pray that you would just continue just to work in each of our lives, because Father, none of us know it all. We need you. We need you to guide us. We need you to direct us. We need you to teach us. And Father, I just pray you continue to be with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we are continuing on, we have one more after this, on our series entitled The Word. But I want you to imagine for a second, all right, that you are on the war field, right? That someone has put you out to war, and they give you a, a bow and arrow, right? Imagine they give you a bow and arrow. How many of you know how to use a bow and arrow to shoot at someone? All right, some of you do. How many of you have no clue what to do with a bow and arrow? All right. How many of you would say that you were confident enough to, that was the only thing you had to be able to use in, in war? All right, one person. The reality, listen, the reality of that is this, that we are in war every day of our lives as a Christian, and we have one weapon, and that is the Bible, the Word of God. And the reality is for us is that the question that comes to us tonight as we think of the word protects is this. Do we know how to use this to protect us? Do we know how to defend ourselves? As we know in the, as, as um, in the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God, we realize that there's only one weapon, right? All of it talks about, you know, protect yourself, you know, protect, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put on the belt of truth, put on the helmet of salvation. It tells you to do all these different things, right? But it also tells you what? To take up what? Your sword, which is the word of God. Do we know how to use this? Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. You see, when we think of the sword, we think of something that is sharp. We think of something that's going to cut. We think of something that's going to juke, in our terms, someone. All right? Right? In our slang, we would say, juke someone, right? That is what this should do to us every day of our lives. This should pierce us. This should penetrate us. This should really challenge us. In fact, when we sit and think of the Word of God being the only weapon that we have against this war, that, the spiritual warfare, and let me tell you something. Don't think spiritual warfare isn't real. It's real. And it comes in all sorts of different ways. Some of you graduated already. And we, we, we tell you this, right? Okay, so yes, you can give yourself a hand, all right? Michael was head of his class, right? He got the math award. He got the math award, the English award. He got every award, right? He was father Victorian, anyway. Anyway, sorry, Michael. But listen, right? The reality is this, right? That 
When you leave under your parents' roof, you need to know what you believe, not what your parents believe, not what they've taught you. Yes, you know what they've taught you, but you need to know exactly what you believe for yourself because your faith is going to be attacked. In fact, we see it in Jesus himself. We sang a song about talking about how Jesus left heaven to come to this earth. And we see what happens as, as we talked about a little bit the last time on one particular verse, but we want to take the whole account tonight as we think of the temptation of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. And when we sit and think of that, we need to recognize that as Jesus is 100% God, but he's 100% human, we see that he is tired. He has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He has been tested, you know. How many have ever done any fasting? Anyone done fasting? How many have just not ate for like a day and been like starving? Okay, yes, you know. Imagine 40 days. Listen, imagine 40 days and 40 nights you are just fasting, you know, studying the word, you know, taking time. That's what you're doing. And I'm not talking about how sometimes we use these diets and say, well, I'm going to skip this meal. That's my fast. No, no, I'm not talking about that. But really being challenged. And we see in Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11, and it talks about how Jesus is being tempted. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Listen, this wasn't a mistake, all right? This is not like we took a wrong turn somewhere and, oh, no, let's get back onto the, the highway. No, no. This is real. The Spirit is leading him into the wilderness to be tempted. Verse 2. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. All right? That's reality. You don't have an eight for a couple of days, you're going to be hungry, starving. And I'm sure we've all heard we was pro- he might have been even hangry, okay? When you're so hungry, you know, when you're so hungry and anyone say anything to you, you just want to slap the head off. That's what I'm talking about, right? Verse 3. And a tempter came and said to him, If, question, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, again, we talked about it a little bit last time. I'm Jesus. I have the power to do this. I can easily, you know what? I'm hungry. I could turn them, I could have turned them stones into steak for all I wanted to. But he's adding to turn into bread. And this is what is this is his response. But he answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is that? What is, what is Jesus answering him with? Scripture, his word. So if Jesus is fighting back Satan with the word, what should we be doing? Verse 5 says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the high pinnacle of the temple. Verse 6. And said to him, if you are the son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now, let me say, tell you this. Do you notice something what the devil is doing as well? What is the devil doing? He's using Scripture, but he's twisting it. He's twisting Scripture. The question becomes to us is this. Would we know if someone's twisting Scripture when they're teaching us? Would we know that? Do we know we truly believe that we can rely on what we believe to fight back? Verse 7, Jesus said to him again, it's written, again, coming back to the sword, the word, you shall not put the Lord God to your test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you 
if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to them, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Again, we are challenged there to think about that, right? If Jesus uses the word as a weapon to fight against Satan, well, what, what should we do? We should use it as well. It protects us. You realize that Jesus could have easily, at that time, just probably, again, he's 100% man, 100% God, could have said, you know what, Satan, just get away from now. I could just slap you now and get you away right now. No. But he showed us, listen, Jesus did this to show us that, hey, how important this word is. That we need to recognize that just as Jesus, again, he's 100% man, uses scripture to fight off the devil. We need to know how to do that. Because the reality is, in our lives, as we get more and more into this world, as we see around us, the word of God is becoming questioned more and more as well. Right? People are accepting more things now, more than ever. In fact, if you say you don't believe in something, because you say the Bible says that, well, why do you believe that old book? Oh, that's not relevant today. You know, that was when your parents were, you know, living. When your parents believed that. What do you believe? You see, we need to, un we need to know what we believe. In fact, in Hebrews 4.12, and we don't have this verse there, but it talks about this, the Word of God being this. For the Word of God is alive and active. What does alive and active mean? It's active. It's alive. It's not dead. All right? This doesn't grow old. This doesn't just go away and become obsolete. It's not like your phones. It's not like your, what, you know, whatever else you may think of, you know, they, they become obsolete. The Word of God is active and alive. But it doesn't stop there. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to divide in soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, when we read God's word, and I'm not talking about just by just skimming it. I'm talking about read God's word. It shows us exactly who we are. And it cuts us. How many of you have ever been cut? Anyone ever been cut by a knife or something? All right. Or a machete, whatever. I want you to imagine for a second. All right, listen, I want you to imagine, listen, I want you to imagine for a second that you have a two-edged sword, all right? I mean, it cuts you both ways, all right? It goes in and it comes out and cuts you. That's what the Word of God does. When we study God's Word, it cuts the inner being of us. It shows us who we are. It shows us just how wicked, how desperate we are, how desperate we are in the need of a Savior. Let me ask a question. How many of you look around the world and think to yourself, boy, we, we are, things are going so great around the world, like everything is in tip-top shape, there are no problems. That would be a lie, right? All right? That would be a lie, all right? When we look at the world around us, the world around us is collapsing, all right, as we see it, all right? There are so many things that are happening around us. And I know that, you know, many people say, well, Jesus is soon coming back and 
You know, we don't know when he's coming back. We really don't know. But I want us to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 17. And I want us to understand exactly as we think of the last days. I want us to look at what God's word said. And I said, this, is a, this was even in that time. So I want you to just, I'm going to read through it because I want us to really, you know, get the whole, you know, what's going on. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of God but denying its power avoid such people. Let me ask a question. What does that sound like today? Does that sound like what's happening today? People love themselves. People love money. All right. People rather deny God, God himself. Because I think that this is our church today in a lot of our church buildings. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying his power. You know those people who come to church or even in the pulpit who say, we love God, but yet they're asking for money for every single thing and they're doing what they want to do. You know, that's what we see, right? Verse 6. For among them are those who creep in the household and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these, those two men. You will ever have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my service. So here, we got, a little con- we got a little change, all right? He's now talking to people who believe in the word, who understand it. Verse 11. My persecution and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecution I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul, think about it for a second. If there was one man in the Bible that you could say suffered a lot for Christ, who would it be? Paul and Job, right? Two of those names are come to your mind, right? Job and Paul. Paul understood that, look, you know what? It'd be easy for me to follow the world and do what I want because reality is I'll be loved by the world. It doesn't matter. But when he comes to a relationship with Christ, he understands that, look, you know what's going to happen to me? It's not going to be easy. I'm going to be persecuted for what I believe. Verse, verse 12 says this, of verse 13. While evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learn it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, how many of you have been going to Sunday school from when you were a little boy or girl? All right? Almost every hand in this room has gone up, right? The reality is, we think we know a lot about this book, right? We think that, you know what? I've been going to Sunday school my whole life. I've been to church all my whole life. I know it all. But guess what? The person who thinks they know it all, like they feel like 
you know what, you can't, if I read this anymore, it's not gonna do anything because I already know, know it all. What good is it gonna do to read it? What good is it for you to even be in a classroom where you say, you know what, I know chemistry, I don't need a teacher to teach me anything. Is that any good? No good for you, right? In all of this, in all of this, as Paul is talking about the last day, he's talking about all his ungodliness. This is how he ends in verses 16 and 17. He says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, when we come and we sit and think of the world around us, we shouldn't expect anything else from the world. We can't expect a non-Christian to act like a Christian. We can't expect places around the world who are being persecuted, you know, where, where they don't have no regard for God whatsoever, to be a place that's so loving and so accepting of everything. That's not going to happen. But what we do need to ask ourselves as a believer, if we call ourselves believers tonight, is this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my only weapon that I have in the spiritual warfare? What am I going to do with this? Do I really know this? Can I really defend my faith if I'm put on a trial and I have to defend why I believe in Jesus or what I believe? Would I really be found guilty of my Christian faith. What would happen if I brought someone on stage right now? And I say, you know what? Let me ask you some questions. What happens if someone comes to you and says, I don't believe in God. I believe in Muhammad. I believe, you know, Jesus, he was a good man. Good prophet, good teacher, but I, I, you know, I believe Muhammad is, is the one I'm going to follow. You don't know what it is, right? What do you do? Oh, you know what? I'm only passing by in this life. I'm going to die and I'm going to be reincarnated and I'm going to come back again as a butterfly. <laughs> you know, no, you know, we laughing, right? But the reality is, is this. People believe that. And you may say they're stupid or whatever, but guess what? But guess what? What do you do when your faith is put in a corner when majority of people believe that and you're the minority? And listen, a lot of you in here go to Christian schools. Listen, I know. I know of a girl who went to Kingsway Academy. Listen, went to Kingsway Academy, learned what it meant, but yet she converted to being a Muslim because, of a, because she found a, a, a guy, married that guy, and she was converted to Islam. You might be laughing, girls, but guess what? The reality is, you guys. Guys and girls do stupid things for love. 
All right? All right? Listen, listen. You might even be in here tonight and say, you know what? Listen. You might be in here tonight and say, you know what? That ain't going to be me. No way. No way. That ain't going to be me. And guess what? The person who thinks that way is going to end up be you. Because you're too comfortable in what you think you believe. Listen, I can in my own power, listen, in my own power, I could probably say I would now become a murderer, okay? But guess what? Hold on. But guess what? In the moment I let sin in my life, I could become a murderer. That's how real it is. Just because I'm up here preaching or studying God's word or whatever, the minute I let my guard down, Satan can attack, attack me in any direction. That's why I need to be on guard. That's why I need to protect myself. That's why I need to know the only weapon I have in this world is this book. Not a gun. Not a knife. But the word of God. So I challenge you tonight, all right? Know what you believe. Know how to defend your faith. And listen, even if you think you're going to a Christian college, even some of them are messed up. I'm serious, all right? If you need help, if you need help with, you know, how can, I how can I truly study God's word for what it is, talk to us, all right, as leaders. We, 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 listen, if you guys wanted to do a study on how to study God's word, we ready to do that. Because that's how important this Bible is. All right? It's important to us that you know this. That you know how to protect yourself. I'll give you an example, all right? In closing. Just this past week, someone who, who I knew and who some other people know, they were just back home, you know, for a visit from college. And about 9 o'clock in the morning, 7 to 9 guys just breaking the house, bam. All right? They had, you know, hurricane-proof windows, hurricane-proof doors, everything else you could think of, right? They had an alarm. They had cameras. But the alarm on the cameras weren't set up in their house, right? They weren't, they, they, they have them in a box, they didn't set them up yet. So listen, and then, you know what, you know what some of you are probably saying in your mind? Well, they, they stupid, why they didn't have them set up? The question is, why don't we know the Word of God? Why don't we know how to defend ourselves, how to protect ourselves? We say we want to protect ourselves from burglars, we put bars up. But, we need to learn to protect ourselves from the evil one. And the evil one doesn't come 
with a pitchfork in his hand. He comes even in the way of some of your friends right next to you. So I challenge you, study God's word, know what you believe, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, you've given us a weapon to use. And it's not a weapon to just go around and just try to make people look bad or try to argue about, but it's a weapon to defend who you are. Father, I pray that none of us even would be arrogant in what we believe. That none of us would be arrogant in thinking we already know everything we need to know. Because Father, even the greatest theologian doesn't know everything he needs to know. Father, I just pray that you'd now be with our small groups, that you'd be on in our discussion. And I just thank you for each and every person here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.